November. You know what November means? Turkey. I, I'm not even talking about fall weather. Uh-uh. I'm talking about that. Y'all not going to drag me into that cesspool? Uh, I'm in a summer state of mind. I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to stay in it. But I will tell you this, that, um, you know, October kind of brings the Halloween thing. Anybody get any candy yesterday? Any candy people? Candy people. Uh, we might even better make a song about that. But I'm going into... Going into November, I mean, how can you think about November without thinking about Thanksgiving? You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but, but um, I really like Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about turkey. I'm talking, yeah, ooh, got the chills. Don't give me the chills. I like the turkey. You know, I mean, I just love turkey and dressing. I'm being very careful right now because we're etching closer to lunch. And I don't want to lose you. First church people were kind of already on, they were still, you know, percolating breakfast. And so, you know, that's okay for them. But, you know, here in second church, we're a little closer to lunch. And so I want to be careful. But when I think about Thanksgiving, I, I can't help but think about that dinner and um, I like cornbread dressing. Anybody in the house like bread dressing? Yeah. You got to be a little farther toward the, ma- you're going to be like the other side of the Mason-Dixon line. Is that right? Like, but my, my sister, they, they live up there in Michigan. People aren't saved up there. But anyway, they, uh, they live up there in Michigan. And they, they have bread dressing, bread dressing. I, I can't stand it personally, bread dressing. But then they put oysters in it. It's like, take something that is slimy and make it even more slimy. You know what I mean? I mean, the worst thing, it wouldn't surprise me if they boil okra and put boiled okra in it too. They just, 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 let's just have a slime fest when it comes to the, the Thanksgiving meal. I don't know how they eat that, but I do know I really, really like turkey. And I really, really like cornbread dressing and mashed potatoes. And in gravy, I don't like that cranberry stuff. Yeah, God bless you. It's like cranberry gelatin. You know, my, my mom, and she, well, you got to get the cranberry stuff, whatever they call it, cranberry sauce. It comes out of a can, and it stays in the shape of the can. It's like, can we get it out of the can? You know, you're trying to shake it out of the can, and it plop, and then it just goes, and I'm like, why you eat something like that? That's not good. That's not good. You know, I mean, that ruins turkey. Don't. Do not plop cranberry gelatin down next to the turkey. And then what about beets? Pickled beets. Like, what? Who eats that? That's purple, too. It's terrible. It's like cranberry gelatin and beets. You can take them off the table, but boy, I love turkey. And dressing, cornbread dressing and mashed potatoes. And, and then in my family, listen, some of y'all might, my family, 
we don't even know what it is. It's got something in it that's good, and it's got marshmallows. Yeah, the fluff. Yeah, it got the, it's pink. We call it pink stuff because we just don't have an education. And it's pink, so it's the pink stuff. Well, I mean, I have an education. They don't. It's the pink stuff. It's the pink stuff. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say nothing derogatory about my ORU degree. So, it's a great school. I have an education. They don't. We call it pink stuff. Listen, listen. You know, forget, forget the beets and forget the cranberry gelatin and plop stuff. And take some turkey and dip it. Listen, dip it in the pink stuff. It really is good. Y'all have never done that, have you? Somebody make me some pink stuff. And I don't even know how to make that. Do we even know how to make it? We don't even know how to make it in our family. What is wrong with us? If something were to happen, Melinda, we would not have pink stuff. We have a family crisis going on up here, people. Man, do you know when you think about Thanksgiving, think about for a second, think about Thanksgiving, turkey, turkey. Okay, honey cured ham, that gets some of you. Are you hungry yet? I'm, I'm trying to kill you here. Just, oh my God. When are you going, shut up preaching, let me go eat now. And I mean, we really, we really kind of said, I mean, I understand Thanksgiving. You kind of have the pilgrims and the Indians and the original feast and harvest of Thanksgiving. Um, we understand that. But, I mean, Thanksgiving really isn't about turkey. I know I just hurt some of you hard, but just uh, Thanksgiving isn't about pink stuff. You know what I'm saying? Tur- I mean, we, I like that. I like turkey. I love it, matter of fact, with pink stuff. But if you're not careful, you, could, you can miss the important things the important thing about thanksgiving is that we are thankful it is giving it is giving thanks right thanksgiving is about giving thanks and giving thanks for what well certainly uh, giving thanks about the things that we have in our life to be thankful for the not only the material possessions but the people that are in our life you know, some of you, you, you're thinking, you might have to think long and hard, but you'd be thankful about the people that are in your life, about the possessions that are in your life. It's very, it's very easy to take some of that for granted. Matter of fact, if you're not accustomed to traveling in the world, like, I mean, if you just kind of, if, if the entire world to you is between Oatmogee County and, and you know, downtown Tulsa, you, you, if you don't really travel the world, maybe you're not familiar with, the plight of many people that are in the world today that, that live in third world countries. And we have the opportunity to see that when we go to the Philippines, which I intend on going in January again. And, and there's always a stark reminder on that trip of just how blessed we are. I mean, when you step into their homes and you see what they eat and you see from which they drink and you... You see their life and, and how thankful they are for the things that they have. And I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's a telltale sign on us in our American culture to step back and, and recognize that we are truly blessed. I mean, as far as I know, most everyone 
You, you came in looking like you rode here in a car. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, you know, I mean, I don't, and I don't know exactly what kind of car. It may not be your dream car, but it got you here. And it is something to be thankful for, although it is very easy for us to take these things for granted. Very easy for us to maybe even look at the things that we don't have, you know. There are some things that I really want that I don't have. And I would like to have them. But sometimes we get so focused on the things that we don't have that we fail to be thankful for the things that we do have. And we forget. We forget this idea of thanksgiving while living in the midst of a, of a very blessed life. And, and, you know, I certainly don't agree with everything that takes place in our government. So I don't agree with everything that takes place in our country. But I will tell you this, that I can get so focused, if you're not careful, you get so focused on the things that you don't agree with that you forget that we still live in the most blessed country on the face of this planet. That there are things that are here that are available, that there are availabilities here, that there are, you know, just this, listen, just the simple fact that you can drink the water from the water fountain. We don't even think about that, do we? We don't even think about the fact that we have water fountains in this building and you can step up to a water fountain that's hooked up to city water and you can just take a drink from the water fountain. You don't think of how many millions of people that are in our world that, that can't fellowship that privilege. They can't get water from a water fountain. The water is not in a condition to be drank. And how... We can take these things, but just that simple thing, we could take these things for granted to say, you know, I, um, I didn't drive up today in a Maserati. My Chevrolet only does 85, not 185. Some of you will catch that in a little while. And then I think about services in the Philippines where they're, where they're walking for miles to get there. They're, they're coming in the... Gary, you'd love this because you, you've built beds and have driven dump trucks for at least 100 years. And, <laughs> and they'll roll up to church in the back of a dump truck. In a, like a dump truck, like you haul dirt in. Dump truck. And they'll, and they'll be stacked in there, about 45 people stacked in there standing like this in, a, in the back of a dump truck. And they'll ride like that for two hours. Standing up in the back of a dump truck with 45 other people crammed, as many people as you can cram standing up in the back of a dump truck. To come to church. I mean, to come to church. And then we look at our lives and we think, well, you know, I, I came here today, whether it's in a Ford or a Chevy or a Toyota or a Honda or whatever it may be, but 
I don't think we filled up a dump truck today. I mean, I don't think we passed through town and, and, and two hours prior to service load people up. And not, not just young people. I, I've, seen, I've seen 70-year-old people climb out the back of a dump truck, been standing there, been standing there for two hours in the back of a dump truck. Where are you going? You're going to church, and then we come back here. They, they ask us, every time I've ever gone, I think they've asked me, Pastor Rob, Pastor Rob, what is your address? I'll say, oh, you mean for the church? No, no, your home address. And I always evade that question because I know, I know what they're wanting. They're wanting to go on Google Maps satellite, and they want to see my house. I know what, I know what they're wanting. I'll say, oh, just let, let's look at the church. Let me show you the church. And they'll satellite image the church. Oh, Pastor Rob, that's a nice building, Pastor Rob. That always deflect them away from my house. because, Not because I'm ashamed of what I live in, but it's just the reality of, of where I live and the blessing that I've been able to live with. And it's just humbling to me to know that it is so easy to take it for granted. Just take it for granted. When Raylene went with us on a trip to the Philippines, she spoke of a cell group in one of their homes. And this is dirt floors. Electrical wires just run open along the concrete and block ceilings. And, and they, sweep, they sweep these floors, these dirt floors. You'd think you were standing on tile. They, they sweep them to the point where they're they're just almost glossy. We're standing there in their home, and Raylene remembered this. The little owner of the house kept apologizing. Oh, I am sorry. My house is so humble. I am sorry. My house is not nice. Because they, they, they watch television they know that there's a 100% chance that the Griffin family is not living on dirt floors. There's a 100% chance that the Griffin family is not living in a home with exposed electrical wires and open windows with no air, no heat, no... Just open. They apologize. And we always, no, no, no. To us, their houses are beautiful. That's in our heart. That's in our heart. But then you come home and you, you see. I mean, I, I, wonder how many, I wonder how many people today would drive past our church if our church was just an open-air building as it is in the Philippines. I wonder how many, how many of you How many of you would come and would stay in a church service here if all we could offer you was one small fan trying to stir a hundred degree air in the room and these people will come and they will, they will have church for hours in this. We are blessed. We are 
abundantly blessed. And I think that often in our life, and I know this is kind of heavy, I'm really sorry, but, but I think oftentimes it's good for us to be reminded that hey, we may not have everything we want, but we are still very blessed. I mean, our lives have been enriched by things that we, if we are not careful, that we, I know I can, I know I can, I can take it for granted. I'm just admitting to you. I can take it for granted. I can forget just how blessed I am. And then, if I'm not careful, I can actually begin to think that the blessing is all about me. See, I mean, this is the thing about Thanksgiving, is Thanksgiving turns us back to a thankful heart toward God to recognize that everything we have in our life has been given to us by a very generous and loving God who cares for us. But who doesn't give us these blessings for us to build walls as though it were Fort Knox or place them in the vault of some, of some bank somewhere and close the doors and hide everything away. But, but somehow or another, in God's idea of the blessing, there is this understanding of giving from the blessing. In fact, Proverbs nine or 6, rather, 10 and 11 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. See, it's not talking about laying down taking a nap because you've worked really hard. It's not talking about resting in the night when, when you should be sleeping to refuel and recharge your body to be ready to go the next day. It's not talking about normal sleep patterns. This, this is talking about someone who has become disengaged with the world. That, that they've, they've, they've lived their life in such a way that now they just are folding their hands and saying, that's really kind of it for me. And they disengage from the rest of the world. And the writer is saying to us that people who disengage have to be very careful because poverty will come upon them in scarcity like a thief will come at them because God did not create us to be disengaged. God did not place us in a place of blessing for us to be disengaged. But God in His providence created us in His image. Look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals. Over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And you just can't bypass the reality that what God blesses he has an expectation that it will be fruitful. 
That what God blesses, he has an expectation that the one that is standing in the blessing of God will not just be a consumer saying, just hoard it all in on me. It's just all about me. I don't care about anyone else. I don't care what anyone else is doing. It's just all about me. Look what I have, I have, I have, and just consume all of this blessing within themselves. God steps on the scene and says, I have created you in my image, and in my image you have to understand that I have created you to be a producer, not just a consumer. That my blessing in your life, that, that I mean, it's just, it, 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 doesn't, it, it doesn't surprise me at all that the Word of God here says that He blessed them and said, be fruitful. He blessed them and said, be fruitful. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed anything about fruit, but... By and large, bearing fruit means to give to another. I mean, I've never seen an apple tree eat an apple. By and large, what it means to be fruitful is to have a sacrificial system within yourself to recognize that that I have come to bear fruit and that fruit is a giving process in my life, that fruit is a giving process, and I want to talk to us today about the blessed life. See, the blessed life isn't that thing which would cause us to hoard things away in our life or almost to live like a hermit. When I was growing up in Houston, we had a, a man that lived in behind the church on some wooded land. You, you really couldn't see his house or anything. I mean, you'd have to position yourself to see it. It was just... It was just all piled up, and everything was grown up around it. And, and this man had people, I guess um, relatives, maybe a sister or something. It, to me, if I, when I look back on it, I, I think probably he is living in the house where he lived with his mom and dad, where grew up in this house. And for whatever reason, his mental capacity, he can't leave this property. People would come and would just kind of set things on the porch, and then they would kind of back away and leave that type of a thing. And, and we, you know, we had a softball field on our church property, and, and you could hit the ball over this guy's fence, or the church's fence, or the fence that bordered the properties. And you could hit the ball over there. And, and um, when the church put the fence in, they put a, a gate. So you, because you recognize here's a softball field, and you're probably going to, Go to hit the ball over there. But boy, I tell you what, we'd sneak on there to get those balls back. I mean, it was spooky as I'll get out to go on that guy's property. He didn't want you there. There, there, was, there was signs telling you, I don't want you here. We'd always kind of draw straws on who was going to be the unlucky one to open the gate. To sneak across in this guy's wooded area to peer down through the brush and never mowed, never manicured, nothing. Just all grown up and you had to kind of peel your way down there. We lost a softball or two, never found them. You didn't, didn't have the bravery to sneak any farther in. I mean, you only, you know, like we had kind of like in our heads a jump in, we had like a 10-foot rule. You know what I'm saying? If it went beyond that, we ain't going. This guy had so disengaged himself from life. And I mean, he had some blessings. There, he was in a fairly decent house, I think. If you would have been kept up, it would have been nicer. But, I mean, 
it was still there. He had prime property in the city of Houston, prime property, a place to live. He had some things going on and clearly had some people in his life that loved him because they made sure that he got food. But he lived his entire life on that little, that little, little square of property in, in Houston, Texas. He wasn't living the blessed life, although he was surrounded by blessings. He wasn't living the blessed life because you can't live the blessed life without being fruitful, without being a producer. Oh boy, y'all are quiet. I mean, even God in his image, I get this picture of God with me. I would hope that you could get this picture of God as that's not a mean God, that, you know, God, I'm just coming to crush you. You know, some people have that idea of God, that God's just kind of after me, you know. But, I mean, when I read the Word of God, I get a, a different picture. I, I, I look at Him and recognize that as one who has been created in God's image, the, one of the most clear images of God in the, in the Word is that He is love. That He is love. And out of that love... Something was produced for us in John 3.16. Very familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I recognize something in that. That God loves us so much. That he was willing to give in order for you and I to have something that we could not obtain on our own. We cannot save ourselves and we cannot produce everlasting life. There is no fountain of youth. And God loved us so much. He said, here you are in the human condition. It is final as far as this earth is concerned. There are limitations as far as this earth is concerned. But I love you so much that I am going to produce something for you that you cannot produce for yourself. And that is this idea of eternal life and that that you will live forever with me. And I speak to someone today and I ask you that as one who has been created in God's image, are there areas in your life that you are supposed to be producing for others that which they cannot produce on their own? This meets itself out in church life, I understand, but it also meets itself out in our own life. On the church side, we recognize that the kingdom of God operates on the fundamental principle that people are willing to sow of their time, talent, and treasure, that they're willing to give, that they're willing to be producers, not just consumers. Just come to church, soak in, get all I want, and leave. But there's just something dynamic about those who understand that the blessed life is when they give back. I mean, my kids are, are raised... Uh, Baylor's home from, did y'all notice Baylor was on the drums today? He's home from Colorado Springs for this weekend. Yeah, he's gone, you know. Boston, when, when they turn 15, they're as good as gone. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, where's Boston? Haven't seen him all day. He's in there playing the Xbox. Or he's down at the basketball court. You know, he used to play around your feet. You know, now it's just kind of a hot ad. About, you know, kind of heartbreaking, isn't it? Hi, baby. 
But man, I just, I just have so much fun giving candy out. I just discovered that Wednesday night. I really have fun doing this. I also throw candy at people, but that's another thing. That's what happens when the, when the parking lot goes off. You can chunk candy at people and they don't know where it comes from. But man, it's just about giving, I, I'm giving candy to other people's kids. I think the reason why I'm so excited about that is I don't have to set up with them. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, there's just something about, uh, about, <laughs> about giving. I, uh, boy, we had a group of, uh, we had a group come to our house last night. I'm gonna tell off on one of our young people. We we had a group come to our house last night, and I opened the door, and there was about like ten of them. I mean, this whole group of, of you know, of kids and teenagers on the on the porch, and they all trick or treat me, and and from the back of the crowd, I hear, "Hey, Pastor Rob." I'm like, you know what? Be thankful you answered the door nice in moments like that. And it was, it was, was that Jackson, wasn't it? That was, yeah, he, he come trick or treat mine. Did you even know I was, did you know that was our house? No, I didn't think so. That, the way, the way, that's what I'm saying. The way, the way he said hi, Pastor Robbie, was like he was surprised that it was me who opened the door. Now, if Jared would have been there, he could have told you. But, um,. Men just love doing that. There's just something about giving, even to someone else's kids, that just makes you feel better, doesn't it? It's living the blessed life. The blessed life, standing in the very image of a God who said, I am so interested in you being blessed that that I'm going to provide for you the things that it takes for your success to really take place. And I want you to be fruitful. And God wants you to be fruitful. Why I love church life. One thing, I mean, I, I am a believer in the local church. I believe that the local church is the answer to the problems that are in this world. And one reason why I believe in the local church is it's a place where we can pull our resources and minister to kids and minister to young people. We had over 100 young people again on Wednesday. You still don't know the number, but it was over 100. And, you know, and I think about that, and I, I think about, man, we're, we're ministering to young people. And then all these kids crawling around here like a bunch of little ants. I think, man, we got a young church. This is a really cool thing. You know, I got three newborns on pastoral team. That's crazy. Think about that for a second. We don't hardly get anything done in those meetings. Somebody's always out with the baby. It'll drive you nuts. But we're ministering we're able to do this because we're together and we're doing something together. We're producing something that we, that, that no one of these kids, these kids can't produce this on their own. These young people can't produce this on their own. It's us getting together and saying, man, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be a producer. I'm willing to stand in this love of God that declares that I'm going to give you something that you can't, you can't get on your own. I wrote this down last night. This one kind of pulled me out of the bed because I, I don't know, I laid down. The World Series was over. The trick-or-treating was over. It was about a, 11.30, and I, I laid down, and I'm laying there. I don't know why, just, just sitting there, just I thought about this service. And when I thought about this service, this thought came, and I had to get out of the bed and go get my iPad, and I did this. Can you all see that? 
this is my note. The white is the PDF of my Word document for my sermon notes. The yellow box is what I added last night in the middle of the night. Because I can annotate and I, I hit the thing I need to make a note. And, because I, I, did, I didn't want to forget what I felt like what I felt like I needed to say. I felt like, man, if I go to sleep, I'll wake up, I'll never remember this. I had to get out of the bed to do this. Write it down. And, and this thought came to me. There is healing even when we minister from our pain. Some of the greatest activists are those who have faced a tragedy or sickness and come through it. Some of the greatest activists in, in this world are people who felt the stinging blow of a circumstance in their life and instead of folding in and, and, and building walls around themselves and allowing that tragedy become a bitter place in their heart, they realize that the only way I'm truly going to get over this is for me to go help somebody else that's facing something like this. And they pick themselves up and they go out there. And I've, I've watched this of people who, who have faced tremendous tragedies in their life that have, that have found healing because they start ministering to other people who are facing similar tragedies in their life. My mother-in-law went through breast cancer, mastectomy, the whole nine yards. And I saw her come back to life as we every year would go with her to the Komen Race for the Cure. And we became, we became active in a community of people who were, who were, many of them, just receiving the same news. And how you know how that that news just shuts you down. I mean, it's like you feel like life is over. And to have somebody like my mother-in-law, who's a 10-year survivor, to be able to walk up to you. Now, she don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's not a, that's not a happy conversation about surgery and about cancer and about all of that. That's not a happy conversation. But there's a tremendous amount of healing that comes from someone who learns how to, how to speak from the blessing of surviving their own tragedy. How to be a producer from even that pain that happened in life and a tremendous amount of healing that comes to people who just say you know what instead of instead of this instead of this folding me in I'm going to live the blessed life and I'm going to find a way to minister out of this we'll find a way to sow seed from this that maybe there's somebody out there that has no hope and and they can't produce hope on their own but maybe you can be the hope for them Maybe you can be the producer of hope in their life that you can step in and say, you know what, God saw me through and God will see you through too. God touched my life and he can touch your life too. I survived that circumstance and you can survive this circumstance. No, it's not, not easy, but, but you know what? You can stand in the place of healing for someone and while they're being ministered to, healing comes to your life. Healing comes to your life. And I really... I really love the words from Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than to receive. If you stand with me, please, this morning. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. I'm speaking to us today about living the blessed life. And the blessed life is not a closed hand life. The blessed life is not a folded arms life. The blessed life is when we open all of that up and we say, you know what? From my blessing, I'm going to be a blessing. From my blessing, I'm going to be a blessing. From my healing, I'm going to administer God's healing. From my pain, I'm going to administer the soothing balm 
of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. I want to live the more blessed life. See, this world's idea of blessing is receive, 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 receive. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. That's this world's idea. But God's idea of the blessed life is give, 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 give. And God says, if you'll keep giving, I'll keep pouring. If you keep giving, I'll keep pouring. And somebody in this house today needs to understand, God wants to pour some blessing in your life, not for you to keep, but for you to give. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads with me for a second? First thing I'm going to pray for those of you that are, that are facing tragedy. We've had some, some tragedies this year here in our church. That's not a prophet. That's a pastor that, that knows. We've had some tragedies. And I want to pray for God to bless you. I mean, it's been a rough year for some. You've, you've had a year of loss and, and hurt. And I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to believe God right now for an anointing to come to your life. Because I believe God wants to use you as an instrument to help somebody else. Matter of fact, 2016, I'm going to believe that God puts you in the right place at the right time so that somebody can look back and say, wow, there's somebody right there that's living the blessed life. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. For I know your word is true. I know your healing is real. And I'm asking you right now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would release somebody's spirit that they would recognize the blessing of the Lord that abounds in their life, even if they have suffered tragedy. Father, I pray and declare that their eyes would be open even right now to the blessing in the midst of it. And I pray right now that you would give them the strength and the anointing to be the producer that you've called them to be. I pray that the love of God would shed mightily in their hearts. And I pray that their minds would be open right now to what you have in store for them. And I pray, God, that you would restore all things, make all things new. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I give you the praise and the glory for that right now. Somebody in this house say, I'm going to receive it. Even if I don't understand it yet, I'm going to receive it. I know it's coming. In Jesus' name, come on. Let's, let's worship the Lord together, somebody. Come on. Hallelujah.